the Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report Podcast. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Minority Report Podcast. Everybody's here, along with two special guests. Alex is here, Yadiel's here, yet Isaiah's here, Juan is here, along with Hannah and Lisa. Hannah and Lisa, say what's up. What's up? <laughs> hey, thanks, thanks for, for having, having me. me. Yep. Ooh, you guys said that at the same time. Nice. <laughs> working out really well all right hi everyone i'm not your boy for the third episode in a row yes you are <laughs> now, you, now you just added it now you just yeah. added it bro, i was waiting for him to say it too that's why it's, it's an un- it's a recurring joke now bro it's I'm an ongoing boy. joke at this point yeah all right yeah. you know what alex i'll be your boy too bet oh okay let's move on oh actually no it's okay it's, it's, it's cool it's cool it's cool we're, we're, we're growing in society you know it's are you my boy i said <laughs> So, um, like Alex said in today's episode, we got two very special guests, Hannah and Lisa. Welcome again. Um, so today's episode, we're gonna talk about something super interesting. We're gonna talk about the experience of Americans living abroad. And Hannah and Lisa have two really cool, interesting stories to bestow upon us today. So, Hannah and Lisa, nice. welcome. I first want to start off by asking you guys, where did you guys live around the world? Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. So I um, I grew up overseas. My parents were living in Venezuela at the time when I was born. Um, so they came up to Texas to have me. So I was born in Dallas. But after about a month, they brought me back down to where they were living. So I was a baby in Venezuela and then uh, moved to Indonesia afterwards and lived in Jakarta for about six and a half years. And then afterwards, I moved to Egypt, where I lived in Cairo for about seven years. And then in 10th grade of high school, I moved to Texas. So I've lived in Dubai, part of the United Arab Emirates, and that was, I want to say, between 2009 and 2010 is when I was there. So I was probably in the seventh grade. That's when I was there. So I know that you guys um, lived abroad for a while, but you both lived abroad for different reasons. Both of y'all's parents did different stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my dad was in the military and he's a pilot. So he's worked for a bunch of different airlines and he's flown for the military too. But we, so at the time we were living in a really small town in California and he was flying for American Airlines part-time. And then he was flying for another company also part-time in that company asked a bunch of their employees, does anyone want to volunteer to take their families over to Dubai for a couple of years? And so um, my dad came home one day and he was like, he asked my brother and I, my brother's three years younger, and he asked if we wanted to go live in Dubai. My brother said no, but I said, yes, of course, like, let's do it. And so that's how that happened. Wait, how old were you? Oh, yeah, how old were you? Um, 11 or 12, I can't remember exactly. I think I was 12. You what were, a, this is your older or younger brother? My brother's younger. He's three, he's three years younger, younger than me. <laughs> he was like, hell no, nah, I'm not trying to leave that. right now. I'm not trying to go to the other side of the world. No, he was like, I'm get happy it, here. Little posse in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I get it, but I, I was, was honestly cool I think, though. Yeah, I think because I'd moved around a lot, already remembered moving around. I, It was something exciting for me and something I looked forward to. So I think that's why I was more excited to go somewhere new mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like a lot of people 
um, are especially people that age, right? Um, are usually a little bit against moving away. Uh, and it's usually harder for kids because they have that little group of friends in school and starting from scratch is usually really hard. And yeah. kids know that obviously. So it's, it's interesting sure. that you're already like, yeah, sure, let's go. I want to live in a new place, get a new experience. What about you, mm -hmm. Lisa? So my dad uh, worked for an oil company. So Egypt, Indonesia, and Venezuela are both, are all three very big oil countries. So that's why we were living there. Um, but yeah, Juan, like what you just said about it's hard for a kid to move overseas in general and then move around a lot on top of that. Um, regardless of where you live, it is a very difficult thing for a kid to just up their lives and completely move to a whole new set of country or a new country or a new school and have to adapt to life over there too. So um, I, def I definitely relate to that. And um, I was lucky enough to live long term in the countries that I lived in. So I would spend six, seven years. So I, I, I was able to feel very established at that time, but I have friends who would move every one to two years and it really takes a toll on them after a while. Yeah, that's wow. how it was for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one thing that was hard. Like I, as much as I enjoyed getting to meet new people and move all the time, mm -hmm. it was so hard saying goodbye to people because while with social media, it's really easy to still connect with people. Like there's, I have my friends from Dubai. I still talk to mm -hmm. al some almost every day, but knowing in the back of my mind, like I may not ever get to see them again in person. That was really hard. And dealing with that at a really young age and starting over constantly, um, it's hard to find people that can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like that two year, or one to two year kind of time span is like right when you just start getting to know like who mm -hmm. your your core group of friends are, I guess, or just beginning to yeah. get the relationship stronger. It's like, I mean, us, us four, like I'd say it's been about two, three, three years three, almost. Yeah, three yeah. years. So now to just like scrap that. I mean, if we're like that age still, I mean, that's crazy. That'd be horrible. I feel like that's something also people don't acknowledge that much, you know, about like military families that move around a lot. The yeah. impact that that has on their kids. I feel like mm -hmm. that's not acknowledged a lot in society. Well, I think it is acknowledged. It's just like I have to provide for my family kind of at the same yeah. time. And this might be an opportunity that's going to make their life better in future or it's going to make their life better now. I don't know. But I think they do take it into consideration. It's not like you're going to do whatever I say. I mean, it can be that way. But yeah. I mean, what's your guys' experience with that? Do you guys have like any kind of say or? Um, no. The only time I had a say in moving was with Dubai, but then that wasn't through the military. So the places I've been all over because of the military, usually you don't mm. have a say. You just gotta, yeah. So okay. that's the tough part. But yeah. um, there are a lot of military brats out there is what mm -hmm. we're called. And so it's nice if you can find someone with a similar experience like that. And usually you do being in the, having a family in the military, you can find people to relate to that and like talk about um, those changes you go through. I think it's just finding someone with similar experiences kind of helps you get through the cons of moving especially abroad mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah when when we moved to different countries i mean it was ultimately um it came down to the save my parents and they could decline if they wanted to but uh they would talk to us and let us know what's going on but after, it, it ends up being outside our choice so mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Lisa, remind me real quick. Was it your dad only the one that was working? Or was it also your mom? That yeah, was... it was just my dad. Okay. Yeah, it's usually a little hard for even for the parents just to say like, you know, I have to do this, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even have a say in it. It's like it's my boss or it's my company, mm-hmm. um, and then you have to communicate that to your kids, and you know that it's going to be hard for your kids and for yeah. your wife, for her yeah. husband, and for your whole family because you know like they're, you're moving away from it, your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's also tough on the parents. I feel like that's usually not talked about as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but I think what like at least with my family's experience if you highlight the positive side of moving again like if you remind them like you're going to meet people that will make such an impact on your life you're going to experience things that not everyone gets to experience in their lifetime like if you focus on those things they definitely outweigh any of the negatives Mm -hmm. of having to move all the time so like yeah from my perspective i feel super thankful that i've been able to move all the time and experience all these different places and meet people from all over the world. So it's all about your viewpoint and your perspective on it. Yeah. What's what's really important for us was uh, having a strong sense of community wherever you lived. So even if you were only gonna spend a year or two there, being able to have a develop a really strong foundation with your friends and um, other families that have the same experiences as you makes living in a new country a lot easier. So that, that's a really important thing for me is to develop a strong sense of community and get to know the people that I'm with at the time. So like, okay, you said that you need to become close to your friends and uh, like your community once you get there. Is it a little hard sometimes because I feel like there's a, a bit of a culture shock especially when you move to a community that like on paper is supposed to be really different from American culture. Like, and when you're young, that young too, Egypt. right? No, no, but it's, I mean, it's true. I feel like for a lot of people moving to countries with completely different cultures, that culture shock, obviously, it's a lot stronger. Um, so do you guys feel that whenever y'all went to, to class or even just when y'all went outside and met the locals? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, something that was that I thought was interesting about my experience was people in the US have these certain um, misconceptions about other countries. And so when I was getting ready to leave, people would come to me and they would say, oh, well, this is how it is over there. Like you need to prepare for this. And so with Dubai specifically, I had tons of people try to tell me, okay, well, you're gonna have to dress in the traditional like clothes that they wear over there. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I'd never been there and I'm 12 years old. I'm like, okay, like mentally preparing myself that I'm going to have to do all, all these changes. And then I get there and it's totally different, actually. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. And so for anyone that is going abroad, whether it's like traveling or you're moving abroad, like it's almost better if you don't take any of those or have anything that you're thinking of prior about what you expect it to be, because I guarantee it's not going to be what you expect in a good way. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of ignorance to about certain cultures abroad. And so until you're there and you immerse yourself in the culture and learn about it, it's hard to truly know what you're going into. If that makes sense. So that was Mm -hmm. where my, culture shock came in was I thought it was going to be one way and it 
was kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these are like people who like never went there, right? Exactly. You you. So, yeah. but you know, a lot of the people telling me these things were adults. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're younger, you trust that adults know mm-hmm. everything, and then you get older and you realize that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're the ones that have, have the most to say too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> They watch I one used- episode of CSI and they think they know everything about the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. The way we operated was I lived permanently or, you know, semi-permanently in Egypt, but we had come back home or overseas, but we'd come back home at least once a year. So temp- typically in the summertime when school was on break. And so I would do regular American kids stuff at that time. Like I'd go to summer camps or soccer camps or anything. And I would just... I would tell people where I live and where I'm, or where I, you know, quote unquote, am from. And so Egypt has a very big presence in pop culture and everyone can recognize Egypt pretty easily. And so I would have people legitimately question how I got to school. And if I rode a Jeep over the sand dunes to get to school or if I rode uh, a camel to school or- uh, Yeah, I had people ask me if I rode a camel to school. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, did I live in the pyramids? No, I did not. <laughs> yeah. But this is why people mean to go abroad and if they can find the opportunity to go yeah. abroad and live there, there's just so much out there that people mm-hmm. don't know or they mm-hmm. don't realize that they believe in the misconceptions about certain mm-hmm. places and yeah. cultures. Yeah, it's kind of sad that a lot of people think that like America is has everything that you ever need in life and it has all to give. I know America is huge, obviously, and there's so many different cultures and areas and people, but within there's there's a way more outside so i was gonna say so just to kind of answer your question juan so as far as my experience went um with the culture shock question um i was i'm fairly so moving between countries i I, i'm fairly adapted to that at the the point at that point so I, i i grew up overseas so moving to a new country and being uncomfortable was a very common thing to experience so um the culture shock is still there. I mean, every time you move to a new country, it is a an adjustment to get used to where do you, how do you buy your groceries? Where is the nearest shopping mall? You know, stuff like that. Um, so that so going back to the whole community aspects, it's it was very important to get to know people is with the school that you went to and get to know the uh, your classmates' parents in order for them to give you advice on how to adjust to the country properly. Um, real quick, were any of the misconceptions that you were told actually true when you uh, got there to those countries? Or any um, of the things you were told prior to going? So one misconception that really stands out to me was people saying like, oh, it's very violent over there. Like, is are you going to be safe? Um, because it is the Middle East and mm-hmm. I couldn't have been in a safer place. Like mm-hmm. one thing... That's one thing I really wish was told differently in like the media and in movies is um, violence in different countries. I mean, that just wasn't the case at all. It was so safe and, you know, my dad being in the military, he's very, um, like he can be strict and very traditional and so very overly protected of me. And this was the one place we lived where he let me go and explore it just wow. on my own with mm-hmm. my yeah so that's how i knew okay i'm safe here like there so that was something that really bothered me once i got there is um learning stuff like that that was totally different 
I don't know, Lisa, if you had similar um, experiences like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I was in Egypt when the Arab Spring happened. So I saw that element and especially it, coming back. So eventually we got evacuated. And so we would witness or watch what was happening on the media and how they presented everything. And uh, for a while, you know, we would, it, it was a legitimate concern. But at the same time, once you're there in person, it really, it really depends on wh- where you directly were in Egypt. So directly in Cairo, that's where a lot of it was happening, but we weren't all the way in Cairo. Um, so we, we always felt very safe, but at the same time, that was always kind of a concern in the background. And uh, after, after the um, revolution died down, we, uh, you know, we just kind of had to keep that in mind. Can you, can you, can you tell us more about the, how it was being, you know, there on the ground when it happened? Yeah. Um, so I was in seventh grade when the, when the Egyptian revolution happened. Um, so they, uh, they would protest down in Tahrir Square, uh, which is directly in Cairo. So we were living in a kind of like a suburb called Mahdi. And Mahdi is a very, uh, that, that's where the school I went to is um and uh that's that that city is also where a majority of the expats live so it's kind of a quiet area um but but eventually the revolution did escalate enough to to where we did have some of that expand out into where we were so we had tanks in our city we had vigilante groups that would stay up and make sure that there wasn't any looting going on and breaking into people's houses and the violence did extend out that way and uh, eventually, we had a our um, our internet cut, our cell phone lines cut, so we had to rely totally on landlines in order to communicate with each other. And it got to a point where the company that my dad works for eventually pulled us out of the country and said, "Hey, you need to get out of here." So we were evacuated hmm. to England for a while, and almost I almost ended up going to school in England because we it was just indefinite. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but wow. eventually, yeah. Eventually, I, I'm, uh, we I stayed in I, we just lived in airport hotels for a long time and for oh a seventh uh, yeah for for a thirteen year old it, that it was That's a really long true. time to, yeah. to live in a hotel. Um, but we you know we did that and we tried. I, I really admire my parents and trying to make the best of it as as they could. And school was still going on. Our, the teachers were just trying to do online school and do distance learning during this whole time. So I, I admire their efforts as well because they were they all a lot of them were also expats. So they were they didn't have the same resources we did to be fully evacuated out of the country since they were teachers. So they, they just stayed there and kind of rode the wave and tried to maintain their teaching as well. Yeah. So it was I remember it being a really stressful time for me as a kid. And, and I, I assume distance learning wasn't as good as it was right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not have Zoom. It was more of just we used we used a program called Blackboard. Um, so I'm sure we. It's I've I've heard people using it over here too, but it's, it's the same thing where the teacher would just post assignments and we just do them. So there was no video conference like we're like we're doing right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, we were probably evacuated for a month, maybe a little over a month or so maybe two months. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but eventually uh, the oil companies allowed their people to come back. But other, um, other companies like people that work for the U S embassy. So I'm sure Hannah, if you were in my place, the, um, the U S government kept embassy kids 
away for a really long time. They're one of the last people to come back. They're probably still scared about what happened in Iran. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's probably why they were yeah. moving with such precaution. It was cool to see it all happening, kind of scary. <laughs> Uh, and the instability was still there afterwards, and life just wasn't the same coming back. Um, I mean, one of one, the the biggest example I can give is that when growing, so I was there from third grade to ninth grade, and as a kid and growing up into for for for, for the longest time, we could just have pretty much free reign and do anything we wanted within the country. I mean, I say anything we want as far as we could travel anywhere, we could, you know, do all the tourist activities, we could go off grid and go camping in the desert, do off-roading in the desert, which is super fun. But after the revolution, it just wasn't safe to do that. So lifestyles had to change and the instability was, it was safe where we were. We weren't in, in danger at any time, but at the same time, you had to be smart about where you went and what you did. And because tourism dropped so much in Egypt and tourism is a huge thing for that country, um, it, it just it just took a long time for them to get back to where they were. And I, to be honest, I don't think they are back to where they were even now. Well, yeah, yeah, actually, I think I saw like a statistic that said basically just what you said, um, mm-hmm. like tourism levels have not reached the, the point mm-hmm. that it had right before the revolution. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's tough. It's tough to live in a situation like that. Um, mm-hmm. That's a bit of how I felt when I was in Venezuela. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you can be smart about it and you can still do a lot of things. But there's always that thought in the back of your head where, like, you, you think, oh, I can't really do that. I can't mm-hmm. come out at night for this reason or that reason. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of limits your lifestyle a little bit. At yeah. the same time, though, I think it's kind of it's kind of area based, though. Obviously, there's there's bad things that happen everywhere. But I think what's just happened is like it's kind of taken over the whole region as just like this horrible place that you yeah. can never go when there's amazing, beautiful places, mm-hmm. great people, peaceful areas where you can walk at yeah. night, where you can do what you want. So mm-hmm. I think they're just trying to slowly get back to that. But we will we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. One yeah. of my one of my closest friends um, well, her dad doesn't live there anymore, but she would be, she, her dad was a teacher in Egypt and she was going to college in the U.S., but she would go back every single year and just, you know, do her own thing and live in Egypt for, with her dad for a while. Um, now he's back in the U.S. so she doesn't go back there anymore, but it's the same thing where people are worried and they, you know, they saw what happened over there and they just don't think that they're safe. But really, I mean, it's a beautiful country and amazing people it's it's definitely worth going over there and you know you just have to kind of be smart about and think that oh yeah maybe i shouldn't go in in the desert alone you know (laughs) (laughs) would you would you say it was your favorite out of of, uh indonesia and venezuela juan don't get don't get buttered one (laughs) (laughs) which one did you like i won't because i know i know where she lived in venezuela and that was not the nicest place Um, so I would definitely say that Egypt had the biggest impact on my life. So I was, I was there from third grade to ninth grade. So that was a very big part of my, of my development as a person. So that the most memories are in Egypt, but I mean, I have to give credit to Indonesia too. It's an amazing country. And I mean, I even have one of my uncles married an Indonesian lady. So, you know, that he still goes over there all the time and two of my relatives lived there for 20 plus years. So we definitely still have that presence in our life. And 
So it's it's definitely has the same importance to me. But as far as memories and personal significance, Egypt is a very important part of my life. That's cool. So I w- kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Um, obviously, you both uh, had to go to school whenever you were living abroad, and you were both going to school whenever you were. I think you guys said seventh grade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know what was it like for you guys? Like, I just wonder what the education was because I know people uh, usually have the chance to either go to an international school or an American school, or they can choose to go to one of the local ones. And I'm sure that both Egypt and the UAE offered both choices. So I don't know how how you guys did. It. Yeah. So how was it in Dubai, Hannah? So in Dubai, they have both. Like, actually, they had American schools. I think they had British schools that, like, I would hear about. But I went to an international school. Um, it was called Gems World Academy. And honestly, the school is probably my favorite part of my whole experience living in Dubai. Because that is where, like, as Lisa was saying about the sense of community, like, I was able mm-hmm. to meet people from all over the world. And that was something that was really cool. And everyone kind of had similar backgrounds, like constantly moving because of one of their parents' jobs. So I was able to relate to pretty much everyone and everyone was super inclusive because we were all very different. And so I think we all have felt at some point or in some sort of way being excluded. And so mm-hmm. that was really cool. And then the curriculum itself was really cool. Um, they did a really good job of immersing students in the culture and things going on locally. So that's how I learned about the culture the most was through the school. Like they had um, a whole day, like we <laughs> didn't learn like our regular in our le- regular classes, but on the like UAE National Day, we just spent the whole day like eating traditional food and getting henna done and um, Mm -hmm. learning stuff like that. And then um, every morning we um, stated the like UAE national anthem. I don't remember it, but that was cool. (laughs) At one point I had it all memorized. Yeah, we did that too. Oh yeah. Not every day, but in in special occasions, we'd seen the Egypt national anthem. Oh, we did it every day from what I remember. Mm -hmm. And then, so even though it wasn't international school, so you had to speak English to go there and um, you had to take Arabic classes. And then aside from Arabic classes, you had to take another language and you could choose between French or Spanish. And so I chose French because um, when I lived in California prior, I was already taking Spanish and I kind of wanted to try something new. So that's how I got into French and then- That's how we met. All of us. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the school was the best part of my whole experience there because it was kind of the center of everything of my mm-hmm. whole experience there, if that makes sense. How was uh, the school itself? Because I don't think I've ever seen like an actual international school. I've only know them by name, but I'm assuming they're like really Google. cool, like, like really nice, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, especially in Dubai, like that's. Dubai is very well known for like the amount of wealth that is. Yeah, that's that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) you should Google Google Gems World Academy like later if you have time and look through the pictures on the school website. They had um, an Olympic sized swimming pool. It was crazy nice. I had a planetarium 
Whoa. What? Oh my god. Yeah. That's that was so cool. A school with a planetarium, there. bro. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. So much money went into the school, you can tell. And it definitely made my educational experience there so memorable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, honestly, I learned so much. It was super challenging. It was IB curriculum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the same oh, for your yeah. schools, Lisa. So that yeah, was different yeah. to me. But it really challenged me. I never thought that, or I never felt like I'd been challenged in schools in the U.S. Quite honestly, and that was the first time where I was like, "Okay, wow, I really have to try to do well." I actually have to try. I actually have to try now. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. I never felt that before. I wanted to be challenged, and so um, that was really cool. Yeah, my my school. Um, so my school is called or before so what hannah was saying same thing in egypt so we had french schools we had british schools and i went to an american school uh so we're our my school is cac cairo american college um not a college it's just a k-12 through but that, that oh. was our name yeah <laughs> that was our name um but you know i say american school but it it was a majority just international kids. So you had people from every country in that school. So I, I like to think of it as an international school, but they just designate themselves as an American school. But same thing, we had IB curriculum once high school rolls around. I, don't, I can't remember off the top of my head if we had AP. Um, but anyways, it would, so the sense of community is so important. And that's one of the things I admire the most is that people like Hannah was describing, they take you in right away. Be- being a new new kid at a school like that is, is is it's it's scary, but it's fun at the same time because people are so excited to see you and so excited to meet you. And it's partially because there's only about a hundred kids per grade, so a new yeah. person, <laughs> a new mm. person is really big to have a, a new student. That's that's small. Wow. Yeah, really yeah, hundred kids per grade, and and I know some kids that eventually move to different countries where there are maybe twelve kids per grade. So what? Yeah, yeah, international <laughs> schools, <laughs> depending on the country, can be really small. So, uh, but yeah, being being a new person there was it was exciting, a little bit scary, but just to have you were you were a big deal to be a new addition to the to the community and everyone took you in and there were a lot of resources available so cac made it made sure that you were well adjusted that you were meeting people and um adapting well to moving to a new country and that's one thing i really admired and then as far as the uh, curriculum goes as well we cac did a really good job also making sure that we were appreciating the country that we were living in so we had the same thing we had egypt day where we would it would just it was a huge festival where vendors would come in and give you henna tattoos or you would you could watch um you could watch traditional dances we'd have these giant tents set up you, it, it was such a fun day mm-hmm. and uh you know i just I, when i moved back to the u.s i went to a public school and i just i just don't see that same sort of um sort of excitement towards learning about a new culture and immersing people in a culture that's not your own but when you live when you definitely go to- not at seven lakes yeah yeah and i mean i i can't i can't complain about seven lakes it, it was a really nice school we had a, a lot of resources available to us but but uh <laughs> i mean considering considering uh other schools in the houston area seven lakes i i, I think was a really nice school 
Is oh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come for on, Juan, be grateful, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a public school, Seven Lakes, I think Seven Lakes did a good job, and I, I'm thankful for the education I got there, too. But at the same time, events like Earth Day and Peace Day had no recognition in at Seven Lakes. Versus in Egypt, we had a whole ceremony dedicated to Peace Day, where we would K through 12 stop classes and have a have a ceremony dedicated to the International Day of Peace and talk about, um, you know, what's going on in the world. And we'd have from the smallest kids to the biggest kids recite poems, dances, whatever, dedicated to Peace Day. And same thing for Earth Day. So it was a very big deal. And I think that they gave us a really progressive education. And that's, it, it was a really big uh, part of my development is to develop that sense of appreciation for the world you're in and the, what you have available to you. Yeah, in this wow. country, in terms of like uh, things like peace, how you were saying, take, it's taken for granted. It's just assumed mm-hmm. to be like a luxury or not a luxury, like something that everyone has. So people don't really like take it into consideration. And I had like a real quick question. Your first day there or first night, did you get both of y'all? Did you get used to the call for prayer at like five in the morning? Or <laughs> oh, <like>, yeah. Because <laughs> first time I went to an Islamic country, like I was frightened because that totally slipped my mind for real. five in the morning. <laughs> the call for prayer was happening and it, it's mm-hmm. in Arabic and I didn't know what was going on until someone explained it to me. I was like, OK, but I was scared. First I was one's at 5 a.m., right? I mean, it depends. It depends. It's always, always switches, but it's five times a day. Yeah. I thought it was Armageddon when I heard a, lot. Vo- a loud voice in the air. <laughs> I think for me, it, that took some time to get used to because it just happens when you're like, oh, it's on again. But then you start to like actually appreciate it. And like, I don't know, I think it's beautiful. And so when I travel and I hear it, I like think of my experiences in Dubai and I'm like, mm. I feel at home almost yeah. now, nice. when I, you know, if that makes sense. You gotta Something be I forgot to, huh? You got to be hitting them notes though. If oh, it's, I if can't it's not... sing. So <laughs> no, 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 not you, not you, not you. So you, you get a level of more appreciation when he's hitting them notes, whoever's singing it over oh, the, the yeah. intercom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely. Um, something I forgot yeah. to mention too was, um, so I remember we had a humanities class and that was another place where we got to learn more about the culture too. And we even... Um, I don't remember a lot of it, unfortunately, but we read parts of the Quran and stuff like that. And so I thought that was really cool and a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, so- we, had, we, had, we had a similar thing where uh, starting in elementary school that we would have Egypt culture where we would go to a class dedicated to the history of Egypt. So there's a lot of Egyptology stuff, which was super cool to learn about. But then we would go into um, Islam and learn about that. And all the way into high school, we were, we were learning and at a higher level about Islamic teachings and then the history of Egypt as well and um, just understanding what happens at a mosque and we would go on field trips to mosques or go on field trips to the pyramids or learn about things like that so it's it's really cool to see firsthand. I'm wondering like y'all had this high level sounds like really high level like education did y'all get back to like this regular schools and be like yo these are these some schools bro for (laughs) real. (laughs) Y'all backwards over here like, He's like seven legs, man. What the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> it probably came back and then looked at our ranking in education. We're like, oh, okay. Oh, it, it makes <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense, sense now. Yeah. No, I don't think. I mean, I always loved school, but then after my educational experience in Dubai, when I came back, I think I actually just had more of a an appreciation for mm-hmm. 
having an education and receiving such an amazing education, I think that's mm-hmm. something people in the U.S. take for granted. Definitely. I don't think many young kids take a step back and say, wow, I'm like, I have all these resources. I have amazing teachers. I like get to go to school every day. So that's something mm-hmm. that was really profound for me to realize mm-hmm. at a, a fairly young age. I was like, wow, I I have it so nice. I'm so fortunate. Like not everyone is as fortunate. The thing that I would notice is it, it happens in every school. So I, I, I can't deny it, but I coming back to public schools, I noticed, or I guess just, you know, coming back to the US, I, I would notice that people just weren't as engaged. Mm-hmm. And there, and that sense of appreciation wasn't there as much. I mean, kids kids fuck around in classes all the time, so it's you know it's a universal thing. Yeah. But at the same time, being able to go on a field trip to a historic mosque that's been there for hundreds of years, you don't you don't get to do that. You know, you don't get to stand yeah. right where it happened and look at the walls that are around you and say, "Hey, this is you're looking at history right here." So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's definitely not as immersive as 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 what we were able to enjoy yeah over here in the u.s they just do a field trip to chuck e cheese and call it gardens for the 500 time hey i would coming back to the u.s i would kill to go to chuck e cheese for a field trip that would be amazing (laughs) (laughs) so okay i want to know about i want to know i want to know something i want to know something all right okay Okay. I want to know about y'all's craziest, funniest experience abroad. Because I feel like you guys probably have tons of them. Bro, you didn't even okay, see I Anna's have... face just now. <laughs> Ooh, I, well, I feel like when I tell it, maybe it's not that crazy. But like in the moment, I remember I was like really scared. But okay, so <laughs> my first day of school, I so you had to wear uniforms to the school. Uh, anyways, actually, that's not important to the story. But anyway, so my dad, of course, wants to take a photo of my brother and I outside of the school for the first day of school. And there's a security guard in front of the school, and they have big machine guns, the security guards at the mm-hmm. school. It still, it oh. still was a very safe place, though. But anyways, he sees my dad going to take a photo of my brother and I, and he runs over, and he's, like, yelling at him in Arabic. And so... I'm like, what's going on? Like, why is he yelling at my dad? I'm scared because I see this guy in a uniform and a big machine yeah. gun. And so basically, I guess it's illegal for you to take photos of, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like someone without their consent or if someone else's like child, I'm sure that's included in it. And so he had to like make sure that I, like that we were his kids so that he could legally take a photograph of us yeah outside the school so i thought that was like that was very different yeah first day of school man what did i just get into man they're like okay go inside go meet people i'm like terrified like (laughs) okay that's normal i guess that so that reminds me of i it's a funny story as well, but so the, as far as armed guards for your school, we had that as well for the school I went to. So it's just a normal mm-hmm. thing to just walk past guys with machine guns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so there was in, in ninth grade, I had this science teacher who was awesome, awesome chemistry and physics teacher. 
and he had us do this well or he dem he had a demonstration for us where we uh he brought us out to the soccer field and we were just all kind of sit there sitting there hunkered hunkered down and he brought out this jug of solid sodium and what he did is he took it out the jug and dropped it in i believe water and so what happens is that solid pure sodium is highly reactive so he was showing us this explosion so it was completely safe, completely controlled. I mean, he knew he knew exactly what he was doing and he just wanted to show us a really cool explosion and it was nothing dangerous at all. We were at a safe distance and everything, oh. but he runs out to the <laughs> field, drops his pure sodium, runs away, and then we have boom, this huge explosion happens and the guards come running. Oh, uh, they, with yeah. their guns and everything, because they, they, they thought we were, they thought we were being attacked. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <What> the <heck? laughs> They thought, oh they God. thought a bomb had come off. And we, I mean, that was the thing. We, we had bomb drills. We had, you know, intruder alerts and everything. We, we were, we were trained Wait, how, for that. How did you, and he how did thought you to make that as way. the project? Yeah. Bro. <laughs> but how did, how did you, you prepare for those, either. for those, uh, um, like those drills because here it's just get like put your hands on your knees pray to god the <laughs> and don't doesn't get blown up away. Yeah. someone doesn't um, take you away thoughts and prayers so it, it it's i mean i'm not trying to to exaggerate things or make things sound unsafe we're completely safe but at the same time it's it's always kind of a concern especially with when you have a school with people who are foreigners you know from expat communities or you know government employees some of them are diplomats and dignitaries kids and we had some mm -hmm. some kids who were very high up in you know, their country's governmental ranks uh, or i guess you know their parents were very very well connected and so you know it, it always was a concern so we would be trained for that and we would have intruder drills and i you know i don't remember doing any of those drills at seven lakes but it was Kind of the same thing where you turn off the lights in your classroom, barricade the doors, hide against the walls. You know, same 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 thing that I've heard happens here as well. Um, one kind of interesting thing was that so eat so my school was I don't I, I can't remember the exact history, but we we some of the windows in our older buildings are slanted in a way that if a bomb went off on the street the glass would not blow into your room and hit you because the six day war was a very big thing at the time so mm -hmm. you know there's just small things like that where it, it's it's a very common thing and for your school to be prepared for and we're i mean we are completely safe all the time i'm not trying to you know, make it sound like a big deal but it, it's just something that you keep in mind and especially like when the revolution right. happened they reminded us about what was going on and had protocols in place for to keep us all safe yeah you remember the real bomb drill that we had at seven lakes oh, it yeah, was sorry, not a drill the threat the bomb threat <laughs> that was so that was a joke i would make with my family so i you know i have lived overseas my entire life lived in the Middle East for seven years of my life where people would ask me, are you safe? Are you kids? Are you sure you want to raise your kids in a place like that? I mean, yeah, we were fine. I had the best years of my life there. Low-key living better than them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the first year, I mean, literally, what, like four or five months into me living in the U.S., we had a bomb scare and we were evacuated from our school because someone brought, what was it, like a, a zip gun or something? It was school? a zip gun. Yeah, and he fired it in the school, and then you could still see. I don't know about it anymore, obviously, but you could still see where it, he had fired it into the wall. Like, really? Oh, two I, I years after it happened. I feel like yeah. with this episode, y'all can see how I feel about that school. 
<laughs> yeah, I, mean, I always I always wished I went to public school, but I'm kind of happy I went to like a semi international. Bro, school. I've always wanted to go to a public I went to a charter school. My charter school was ass. I always Loki though kind of fits in on this too. Kind of talk about that that school you went to because it is pretty much an international school outside uh, of the country. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so it's basically the school that I went to. My parents are like, well, public school is kind of like not, we don't like it. Like the public schools here, we don't, uh, so we're just going to sign you up in this random school, like out of a, 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 like a hope. So I went to this school, basically they're the people that run the school are Turkish people. And basically the foundation of the school is like the best thing you can do for someone is to teach. Mm-hmm. So they, they bring that mon- model and they had, they started charter school. So basically there, like I literally was like, like the, the school was the most diverse thing I've ever seen. Like majority of students were either they're Arab, um, mm-hmm. Turkish, um, what, what else? Like it, it was basically like yeah. I mean, I was the old, I was the only one though. It was basically like the <laughs> just like every every country possible was there. And then I was lucky enough to uh, like learning a language is a big part of the curriculum there. So like you can either learn Spanish or you can learn Turkish. I'm like I'm not gonna waste a year in Spanish. For easy grade just i'll go learn turkish and then learning starting to learn turkish probably was like one of the best things in my life because i was able to awesome. travel uh do other things and it was yeah it was amazing so it was like it was kind of an international school because mm-hmm. the curriculum was different it was it was based on immersing people in different cultures and then math math and science related but that's how it was it was like a semi-international school kind of mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that's like a theme between all these schools and that's great um all these international people seem to know that that's the most important thing in the end just like not only the the immersion aspect but also um trying to promote international cooperation and Mm -hmm. relations in general i think that's pretty dope they're doing shit right honestly (laughs) you think having um like experience abroad does did that experience kind of tell you that you had an opportunity to live outside the country or like do you see yourself living outside the country in the future I definitely do. That's one of my ultimate goals is to eventually move overseas again. Yeah, that's mine too. And also like, cause I often like look back at my whole experience. Like I've moved so many places in the U S and then living abroad. And, you know, I've been able to travel a lot with my dad being a pilot. So I've been put in a very fortunate situation to where I have all these opportunities to experience different places outside of the US. But like, if I have a family one day, I w- would want my kids to have these same values. So that's why mm-hmm. like, I would wanna be able to give them the same or similar opportunities. But that's something like, I feel that some people probably think like, oh, I would love to, my dream is to live in Italy one day, but like, how am I gonna do that? There's so many more opportunities than you think that are out there to where you can do stuff like that, even whether it's, studying abroad or maybe teaching abroad. I know a few people that have taught abroad and Mm -hmm. loved it. Um, So that's something, if you have the opportunity to go abroad, you need to do it because Mm -hmm. it was life-changing. Like I would not be the same person today if I didn't have those experiences and experienced different cultures and met different people. Like I feel like I appreciate so many of the things that are taken for granted by many people in the u.s Mm -hmm. i feel like people's views are almost like incomplete before you have a taste of other parts of the world like Mm -hmm. you you can always speak to things to an extent but like if you've never been there if you've never met the people if you've never talked to them never 
been around the areas it's really difficult to begin giving full like heavy-hearted like whole i don't know opinions on everything mm -hmm. so yeah what you guys have done or what you guys have experienced is more than a lot of people can say so oh yeah yeah for yeah. sure most americans for sure it's pretty dope mm -hmm. honestly um so uh i would like to transition into our first reoccurring segment it's a bit of an abrupt end but um i want to hear y'all's opinions on this because i feel like you guys have fantastic advice to give to our listeners um but basically our first segment is called counselor's corner this is where we give unsolicited advice just any piece of advice doesn't have to be anything super deep just anything that you think our listeners should you know try out or at least think about before they go on with their lives so uh, my advice for this week is to stop using your phone right before going into bed so stop watching videos stop scrolling through instagram all that stuff and try reading like an actual book try reading mm -hmm. magazine whatever basically just not watching the screen right before you go to bed and the reason I bring this up is because I have a huge problem with this. I always use my phone right before I go to bed. I always use it when I wake up and I always leave it charging right next to my bed. So Me I've too. been trying, trying it for a couple days that. now. Right? It's so hard not to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it helps out whenever you're trying to fall asleep and you're not looking at a screen. It's also so, bad for you too. Yeah, that's my advice for watching the week. a stream. Yeah, no, it sleep. helps me fall asleep when I don't have my phone near me and I don't go on it right before bed. Yeah. So if you're someone that's out there that wants to follow Juan's advice, but you say, dang, I can't afford buying all these books. <laughs> so I'm going to try to give you a different <laughs> option. Bruh. So I'll recommend um, trying this app called Libby. So basically it's, um, you can borrow, it's on your phone, but you can have audio books. So you can have like the audio book running in the background and just listen to the books. If you are someone that still wants to read on your phone, you can change the light settings uh, settings and then make it for for nighttime and read free books and all you need is a phone number and it gives you a, a library card using your number and you have access to a bunch of audio books and a bunch of books and i use it all the time like if i go to the gym or if i'm i'm like about to go to bed or if i'm in a car i like to put audio books on because i can consume a bunch of uh books without having to sit there and it's also an alternative if you can't afford to buy books every single time you want to read a new one yeah 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 uh so I would say save money and I know it sounds like everyone says that but you can save even the smallest amount. I had a friend, I still have a friend named Sai and throughout high school, actually between junior and senior year, he would like when people still use like physical money cash, he used to put the coins they used to get from the register away to the side in this small bucket and I remember like before we graduated he cashed all of it after that year, year and a half, yeah, about a year's time. And he had like $300 in coins. But I mean, he has really good discipline in a lot of things. So I know everyone's different, but there is an app called Acorns and it kind of does the exact same thing where whenever you buy something, you set the amount and it'll also take like 25 cents or 10 cents, whatever you want. Every time you do any kind of purchase. They get rounded up, yeah. Yeah, and it adds yeah. up. So check that out, Acorns. Acorns. Uh, my advice is kind of similar. It's an app, though, kind of like that, like Acorns, but it's Robin Hood. You know, save money, Ooh. like Isaiah says, and then invest it in Robin Hood. I'm kind of hyped. That's my advice for this episode because uh, I recently re-downloaded it after I gave up on it. But uh, I downloaded it today again, and I noticed that. Uh, so a year the ago, phone's coming in. 
Yeah, yeah, some big funds. Bro, I'm gonna hide too. I totally get you. Bro, yeah. So last year I uh, invested on a, on Snapchat. I bought like two, no, just one stock of Snapchat worth $15. And now I downloaded it again today and I saw that it grew. Now it's at like 60 or 50. So I made 40 quick bucks. So kind of hyped up mm -hmm. over that. And Airbnb, right, Isaiah? Mm. Airbnb <laughs> stock just came out. I've it been dropped. holding it down for me and Alex. Yep. And yep. Then it's uh it's looking pretty good i'll just say i'll just yeah, say it's looking yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah, yeah, yeah. it uh just it went it went with, with what be mindful with what just be be mindful with where you're you're putting your money because oh yeah you, yeah, can yeah. Get, you can get like trigger happy like oh I'm gonna yeah guys do some research check out the companies beforehand yeah do your research before you actually invest in them in a company and robin hood sponsor us um so i've i've got some advice and it's something that i'm actively working on and I'm, I'm definitely not a master of it at all, but I'm hand trying stands. to, <laughs> no, yeah, handstands, but I need to practice my handstands some more, but, uh, I've been, I've been working on something called rejection therapy. And so what that means is just don't give a fuck about what people are thinking about you. If you want to go and take selfies in public and if you're self-conscious about people thinking, oh my God, that guy's taking selfies then I mean, who the fuck cares? Just do it. You know, we, we just, that. we. You know, we put we put these boundaries around ourselves to where we think, oh, I'm so afraid of being rejected by the people around me. Just do it and you'll get over that thing. So, I, you know, I've, I've grown up with being pretty shy and I, I don't want to be a big boisterous person, but now I'm trying to push that comfort zone and just do the things that I want to do and not worry about, oh, what is this random guy who's going to see me for two seconds going to think, you know? Yeah. It's it's really, really not, not thinking anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, they might laugh at you for two seconds, like, oh, that girl's doing a you know weird thing. I'm not gonna see them ever again. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to push myself to do that more often. Just do whatever the hell I want, and you know, it's rejection therapy to where no one really cares. You think everyone cares, but they really don't. Um, but anyway, so that that's the way I've tried to tried to rationalize it with myself. You know, I'll try to think, okay, well, oh my God, I wore the same shirt that I said, or I wore the same sweatshirt that I did yesterday. Are people going to notice? No, no one remembers what you wore yesterday. So same thing where I'm going to go out in public and do whatever I want. Still, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do anything t totally crazy if I don't want to, but at the same time, like, I'm just going to live my own life and not worry about the rejection of people that literally have no significance in my own personal life. So rejection therapy. So my advice, um, and this is like the epitome of my entire 2020, is to listen to your body. Mm. Like whether that's getting sleep, even though you have a million things to do, you need to put sleep as your priority. Like listen to what your body's asking for. Um, so the beginning literally is almost exactly a year ago, I, was feeling tired all the time. I had zero energy. My stomach was always bothering me. And it was nothing like that concerning, but it was getting like worse and worse and worse. And so my parents are very like tough love and they're like, oh, you'll be fine. Just like, you're just complaining. And then for whatever reason, my dad was like, oh, maybe you should go to the doctor. Anyway, um, turns out that, so I got diagnosed with this like chronic autoimmune disease there's like no cure for anything and like 
I caught it early enough on to where like everything is super mild. Like I have to take a lot of medication, like 10 pills a day, stuff like that, but wow. it could have been a lot worse. And so that's something I had never done until that point was listen to my body. Mm -hmm. Like if something, if you think something's wrong, if you have the means to go to the doctor, you better go because, and that's something that's been happening with like people in my life is, um, you know, one family friend, he like felt a lump in his throat and then he, you know, he's kind of a hypochondriac and he, you know, we'd always joke about it and then turns out he had throat cancer. Like, hmm. I don't know, that's just been very sure. prevalent in my entire year of 2020. So that's my advice is to listen to your body. If you need sleep, get sleep, put your health, physical and mental over everything else. But yeah, to jump on that just a little bit, just real quick, I was going to say, even when you get like the gender aspect of that, like guys will be like, ah, it's cool. I mean, I'm just gonna wait it off a couple of weeks or whatever. And you always hear about people who like that couple of weeks, <laughs> it could have saved a lot of issues and problems. Mm -hmm. I know that can be yeah. either way, but I know it's more prevalent usually in guys thinking that way, so. The whole walk yeah, it off yeah. thing. All right, um, well, we're gonna go into our last reoccurring segment. Um, this is recommendations. We're just gonna, give out a specific song tv show Book, movie anything, anything like that that anything. you want the listeners to look into anything like that um and i'll start i'm gonna start with a youtube channel i know i gave one two episodes ago but um caspian report this is more for the people who are interested in in politics and geopolitics specifically and if anyone that knows me is listening y'all know this is my this is my jam one is horny this is my absolute for favorite geography. topic <laughs> bro that's that's the uh, right no way comment. to say it bro yes exactly. um, uh but yeah anyways this uh this youtube channel called caspian report very good it's actually a really good way to get unbiased news for any sort of global issue going on um especially because this guy focuses on anything in any in the world and i've learned so much through him um, and you can literally search anything. You can go from what are the geopolitical goals of the United States to um, what's going on between like territorial disputes between India and China, like stuff like that. So yeah, I'd mm -hmm. recommend that. Really cool channel. You guys should check it out. For my recommendation, I'm not gonna go for a book for the first time in a while. I'm gonna go with the, an album that I've been going back to uh, that came out last year called "Amusing My Feelings" by Division. I don't know why I've been re-listening to it a lot and. I really found out that what they did for the sequencing is every genre of music has a subgenre and every subgenre has another sub. Okay, you know, like it goes on forever. So they were able, what they did is they hit um, a lot of the subgenres within R&B. So they got R&B pop, R&B neo soul, R&B, just like almost all of them to create an album that I think flows seamlessly. They transition very well. They have Snow Allegro, that's always a plus. So it's it's a really nice. good album and I recommend to everyone. Say the name again so they know. Division Amuse, Amusing My Feelings by Division D, uh, D V S N. Yeah. I'm going to be quick with it. I have a song called What You Did by Mahalia and LMA. Their voices, they, I don't know. They're just, it's it's beautiful. Just listen to it. Just listen to it. It's a great song. They're British, but when they sing, they sound like they're American. I don't know how that works, but anyway. I'm going to be quick. Go watch Cobra Kai. Fresh. No, I'm bro, a big Karate Kid fan. I've seen all the Karate Kid movies. It's it's <laughs> fucking good, bro. Like Wait, what is first... it called? What is it called? Cobra Kai. Trash. 
Shut up. <laughs> you, you literally just, just explain what Cobra Kai is. It's just, uh, it was, I think it was a YouTube original first, but then Netflix picked it up and they kept uh, going. Season three dropped like a week ago. I binge watched the fuck out of it. It's really good. Uh, my dad showed me the Karate Kid movies when I was little, so uh, it's really good. So yeah, go watch it. So for my recommendation, um, I'm going to recommend, I'm going on a very big sci-fi phase right now. Yep. Okay. So first of all, I just finished reading Robopocalypse. Very cool book. It's very, it's similar in structure to World War Z to where the war has already happened. The apocalypse has already happened, but humanity is making a return. And uh, it's, it's isolated stories about the AI slash robot takeover of humanity and the uh, the author is an actual um, oh, what's the term uh, well he studies robotics so he he makes it as realistic as possible but Robopocalypse is a very cool book uh, the ending is amazing but at the same time you don't have to really keep up with each chapter it's they're all separate stories that kind of feed into each other but it's there's not like a concrete plot line so recommend robopocalypse but at the same time the show i recommend right now is it's an older show it's called stargate and i'm watching that right now very cool yeah. yeah yeah it's it's a sci-fi show um there's like 10 seasons on netflix right now so i just started watching it and there's a movie that you're supposed to watch first it's a I think it's from the 80s, 80s, 90s, Stargate. So it's the original Stargate. So you got to watch that, then watch the TV show and work your way through there. But each episode is very cool. Different stories, same idea, but cool sci-fi show. Um, I'm enjoying that right now. All right. So I have a song. It's called At Your Funeral, and it's the Begun remix, and it's by Baroid. What is it? the only song I know. Genre. It's... Wise. Poly alternative. It's actually it's kind of like techno-y too, and it's like seven minutes long. But I love it, and I used to play it on repeat when I would study in college. I don't know why I was like addicted to the song. And then also any song ever by the weekend, I will always recommend. <laughs> I'm in the top 0.5% of his listeners on Spotify. Nice. Wow. That's an achievement. Mm, humble brag. Yeah, no, that's honestly but... like a pretty <laughs> achievement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that was our last segment, recommendations. So check out everything that we told you to check out. Um, and that's also the end of the episode. So uh, I want to thank Hannah and Lisa for coming in. You guys were fantastic guests. Thank you so much for giving us a little insight into what it was like to live abroad and to, you know, kind of show us what it's like to the Middle East. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. So yeah, thank you so much for listening this week. Um, we hope to see you again next week. We got more cool stuff coming up your way. So stay tuned. See you guys. Peace. Peace. See ya. Bye.